Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of actor life plus a few lessons I learned in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine, and I just got a brand new mic and it's not working. So I am recording this intro from an AirPod. Sorry in advance that it's not up to snuff with what we usually do. But you know what? We forge ahead because when the content is great, the audio quality can be good and nobody's mad, right? Please don't leave a bad review because I had to record on an AirPod. AirPad, AirPod, we're not cutting it. That's where we're at today. <laughs> it's Friday evening and I have been trying to get this mic to work all day and this is just where we're at right now. Today's episode is actually going to be a replay of a previous episode I recorded on another actor's podcast. So Sean Crampton was on the first season of The One Broke Actress. He was back in season 11 as well. He is an actor, he's a producer, he's a filmmaker, and he owns and operates the Rebel Filmmaking Community where he encourages and helps other actors and producers and directors create their own content. And they have a podcast because what good business doesn't have a podcast these days. So this is an episode I recorded with Sean a few months ago, and I thought it would be good to share with you guys because we have new listeners on the podcast. And I think it's better for you to hear from me when someone else is kind of running the show sometimes. So this is from Sean's Rebel Filmmaking Community Podcast. It's a pretty candid conversation because we know each other pretty well. So we kind of talk about my journey as an actor, but also as an entrepreneur, which I never thought I would be. Both of those from early days in the industry to where I am now, we talk about staying true to yourself and staying present, which are very, very, very hard to do. But I strongly believe are keys to finding longevity and staying in this career, even when things don't go the way you want it to. So I kind of open up about the realities of being a multi-hyphenate and how it's almost the norm now. And we both kind of banter back and forth about the requirements of that, that we have to be more than just the actor these days. We have to do more because it's just not that way anymore. The industry has shifted and we're going to get into it today. So when we recorded this, we were not on strike. So I want to put a pin in that. Keep an eye out. So if I say anything, you're like, Sam, we're on strike now. Just so you know, we were not when I recorded this. So we're going to go back in the Wayback Machine and talk about the constant struggle of being between different aspects of our lives and the career and all of that good stuff. So without further ado, please enjoy this recording with Sean Crampton in the Rebel Filmmaking Community Podcast. And we're currently rolling. And my guest today, I've been looking forward to this for a long time because in a lot of ways, I could say she's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing because she was the first from my peer group to not only put her neck out there with podcasting, but really stick it out. And now not the sticking out is bearing fruit. She is a professional actress. She was nominated at the Burbank International Film Festival, for God's sakes. She owns <laughs> One Broke Actress. She owns The Women Are Speaking, which is a production company for podcasts geared towards women. It's like, what aren't you doing, you know? Thank you, Sam, for being here, and welcome. Thanks, man. I'm so excited to be here. I love being on other people's podcasts. So much easier than doing your own. You have been a... Technically, you've been a three-time guest on my podcast because I don't know if you remember this, but the first episode you recorded, we accidentally deleted back in like <laughs> 2017. <laughs> you know what's funny? You I, 
I do. And, you know, I think I had a string of bad luck because I was Danny Pellegrino's first ever, too. Jordan and I. And the audio was so bad, he had to scrap it. Yeah, I don't know if it would have worked anyways with the genre he was doing. But, yeah, so let's start at the beginning. Where are you from? The most complicated question you could start with for me because I'm not really from anywhere. I was born in Kansas and then we moved to Missouri and then Oklahoma and then Illinois. And then I went back to Missouri for college and then I graduated and then I made my way out to LA. And now I've lived in LA the longest I've lived anywhere. And my parents since then have moved quite a bit. So they're not even in any of the towns that we grew up in. So I don't really have a home base, depending on who I'm talking to. If they say, like, where are you from? Depending on how much I want to talk to them, I'll answer, like, the Midwest and then give them the overview. Or I'll just say, like, St. Louis or Kansas City or one of the big players. Yeah. Great. So that helps. And that's interesting because I feel like you've been in the same place for, like, a while, too, right? In Hollywood. Yes. We've lived in this apartment for seven years. Yeah, me too in this place. (laughs) Was it a bit of a, a psychological shift to kind of grow up in a more transient nature, essentially, you know, moving city to city. You know, my roommate, my producing partner, he moved like 10 times as a child. And I could see how it had affected him versus me. I stayed in the same house my whole childhood. Do you find that showing up anywhere? Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, but fortunately, it was like rough at the time. But now I'm really glad that it happened because I think it made me much more resilient. And I think it made me... I assess social situations very differently. I'm very Mm. self-aware. I'm very good at feeling a vibe. I'm very good at taking the temperature of a room. And I don't know if I had always been comfortable where I was, if I would have created that asset, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And it it also makes me... So what's been interesting with all of my guests, actually, is we start on the name. Everybody's had some story about their name in Hollywood. You know, whether they're sort of whitewashing their name to fit in better 10 years ago, or Mm. they have another actor who's famous. They can't literally use their own name because that actor was pissed. Whatever it is, I wonder if you had a a journey towards your name or that process or you've you even thought about it. Yeah. So my actual full name is Samantha Valentine and I became Sam throughout this like moving and changing of places. I worked at a summer mm. camp for a long time for eight summers of my youth, I guess. And that's like some of my longest lifetime friends because we wow. spent, we would spend like three months together and then we would go about our lives and come back together. And I think that's, why we have such a good friendship is because if you can do that continuously, especially at a young age, it really builds you up. They just start at camp. They started calling me Sam. And I was like, that kind of is cool. I like that. It's less formal. And it feels, I'm such a casual kind of gal. So it felt right. When I got to Hollywood, Sam was often thought of as a guy. So I would sign in for the call sheet. And there was just like a little, they would say, uh, Sam, and I would stand up. And there was just like a little a little extra paid attention, like a little extra like asterisks on it because it wasn't what they expected or there was like a something a little bit different. And my last name is Valentine, which just, I, I love it. I'm, I'm married to a man named Caleb Ellis, but I'm not changing my last name because I like it so much. And I, I've always thought it was special. And I think it does, it carries like a thought process. Like people have a reaction to it. 
And I think it's, it's like really amazing fun. last name. Amazing. It's so good. People yeah. usually think it's fake, which is, you know, they think it's like yeah. a stage name. Uh, that's actually my family name. Um, but Sam is obviously shortened. And I was so nervous that when I joined SAG, it was going to be taken. So I remember mm. as soon as I could, I would start searching to make sure that no one else was taking Sam Valentine. I was like, I was so nervous. Like looking up a Twitter handle, um, yeah, but I wanted I it so bad. <laughs> yeah, so luckily I got it because I didn't want to add any initials or anything in there. But no, I've always I, I'm very lucky that it's like my very easy name. But like, you know, a lot of people have changed theirs. Oh for the yeah, fitness, I which forgot. You kind of have to identify in the union. I forgot because mm-hmm. it's been a while since I did that paperwork. But yeah. dude, you're so right. I remember thinking I'm gonna have to be Sean M. My middle name is Michael Crampton forever. <laughs> No, it all worked out. How did you find your way to art? Oh, God. It was just always the thing that I liked the most. I just always wanted to be doing something, and I always wanted to be playing pretend. There was, like, an ongoing game with me and my little sister when we were kids, and Mm. we just – we made up a made-up world. We had a – what area of the world did you live in and what was your income bracket? We'll tell you a lot about this. We had one of those sprinklers that would plug into the end of the hose and the parents mm-hmm. would throw it out in the middle of the yard. Yeah. And that was like our pool. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> it was so fun. And so that was that was like our summer fun was then the sprinkler. I mean, we you could really, really ruin your feet on that thing if you weren't careful, and we usually did. <laughs> but that was like our summer fun was the sprinkler out in the yard. And uh And there was a game my sister and I played where like one of us would jump through the sprinkler and it was like, we were a whole nother person from a different world. And like, I remember dragging that out for like a week at one point that I was like sitting with my family and I was like, what are each of your names? What do you do? What are we eating? Like pretending like I wasn't from this world. And like, it's so corny to think about, but that was like so fun for me to be like, what would this person think if the world was brand new? And uh, and so that always has been a spark inside of me. And I'm lucky that my parents were cool with me pursuing this and supportive of me pursuing this because I never really had any formal training before I went to college and decided to major in it. I had done community theater and things like that, but I was I was just always interested in it, but I never, you know, coming from the Midwest, you don't have a lot of examples of people doing this as a job, of people being creatives as a job. And if they are, they're an anomaly. So doing something without an example is 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 really hard to to be that person. And uh, and yeah, so having that support really changed the fact that I thought I could maybe do this as a job. But yeah, yeah. it was just always intrinsically inside of me. Like, man, I remember crying in kindergarten class because there was always like a freaking lice outbreak, and they would close <laughs> down. The costume corner that had like outfits and like hats <laughs> sure. and all these and yeah. I, we could never play with it but i that was like so interesting to me i wanted to i always wanted to be like trying on new things and being new people and that was it's just always always been something a part of who i am uh, it makes sense and it's so brave to move like i moved from san diego and i consider that like wow like Wow, that was so naive almost, you know? (laughs) So someone who moves from another state, you know, like, it's like you're wading into the ocean at midnight with no moon. So you land in L.A. Mm -hmm. I was 22, and I had never paid for parking. 
<laughs> so talk about being in an ocean <laughs> in the yeah. dark. <laughs> yeah. uh, I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. I, I was so out to sea. I knew that I would figure it out. Like that's always been my thing. I've always figured it out. Mm. And it often takes me, depending on the scenario, it takes me shorter or longer to figure out what my place in it is. But I was like, I will figure this out. I will, something will work eventually. Um, but when I got here, I knew that it was, it was, it was just going to be hard and it was quite a slap in the face. Um, you know, having your car towed for the first time, (laughs) it's wild. Getting your first parking ticket when you're a rule follower is a lot. Uh, especially when you're poor and the parking ticket's $85. Um, Um, first five, having that first pink ticket in your car, it's like, it's like the little things that just make you feel like you're not wanted in this town. And Mm. it felt like little pushes like, Hey, you, you don't belong here or Hey, you're not, you're not the person who will work here or just being able to navigate the streets and figure out what you know, I, we didn't have ways. We didn't have updated GPSs that I had a Tom Tom. Yeah. I had a Tom Tom GPS. Wow. Like, and it was, that was cool back then. So I would like plug in, you know, on the Tom Tom, like where I was going, <laughs> put it on my dashboard and let it guide me. But that didn't have any traffic updates. Like Whoa. I was just so fish out of water that I realized the only way that I could make it work was if I just led with the fact that I was a fish out of water. So when I would go into a new room, I'd be like, I'm really new and I'm very open to any advice you have. I'm very new and I'm scared. I'm there. And because when I placated it and when I was like, I got this, nothing ever worked out ever, 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 ever. ever. But if I led with the, you know, I don't actually know what's going on. And I'm going to say that out loud. It always worked better. People were always more willing to help me. I wasn't putting on a face. I was just, I was open to the conversation and that, that was helpful, but it was, man, the first two years here were just, just mm. swimming upstream, just trying to convince myself every day that like I could make this work. I swear. I, I cried on my futon in the little backyard shed that I was renting in someone's house that there was a guest house. It was a tool shed. Uh, and I lived in it for $500 a month in Hollywood. And I was like, this is the dream. (laughs) I know, I know. Um, but I remember crying in that tool shed and being like, how do people go to dinner? How do people buy clothes? I don't understand how you can do this. And it just was so nothing made sense. I was like, I guess I just have to stay here until something makes sense or until I just can't handle it anymore. And listen, that tool shed was the reason I could afford to go to my CrossFit gym. And because of that CrossFit gym, I met my best friends. I met my future husband. I met, you know, the coolest people ever. I met my first introductions to the business. Like it's the little things that you don't realize are already in front of you that are going to make a big difference. I think in the long run, I just had to stick it out long enough to notice them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that beginner's mindset's really important, obviously, but not always practice. Like, even when you think you know something, there's still room to learn and take a second and stop. And I definitely wanted to talk about, like, what's popular today is not going to be popular in five years. Like, as a producer, I'm, I get material submitted to me and they're like, this is the trendy topic. This is the, like, big civil rights topic. And I'm like... I love it, 
but does it actually mean something to you? Because by the time this movie finishes, it might not mean the same thing out here. Yeah. And that's a big thing. Yeah. And that, you know, that timeline too is there's something I always, I always talk to actors about this is I'm like, it's easier for me now because I'm in my mid thirties. And when you're 20, I was 20, 21, 22 when I moved to LA, you know, and you're like looking up at all the people who have all the stuff you want. It's literally like upwards and everyone's Mm -hmm. older than you and it feels unattainable. But once you get to this point, like if you stay here long enough, eventually the decision makers become the same age as you. And eventually you're all like, we're all dealing with the same stuff and we're all roughly around the same age. And it's like, less of like you reaching up and more of like you reaching out and you just level the playing field. And it gets so much easier to just like send a fucking email. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I was talking to my buddy the other day on my men's team and he was talking about his therapist, like the, cause he's a perfectionist, my buddy. Mm -hmm. And so he has a hesitation on like sending the email or making the Mm -hmm. call or whatever, where I'm the opposite. I'm like, fire away, baby. Give me that task. I'm going to (laughs) fucking, and he's like, uh, the phrase she gave me really changed my life. And she said, just do it dirty. Just do it dirty. Do it poorly. Like, just get it going, man. Yeah. Like, no, like, we're all hanging on by a thread here. It's all good, right? I know. It's funny how much the way we receive emails versus the way we send them sometimes is so different. Mm. You know, like, we'll belabor every period or exclamation point or anything. But when I open an email, I'm like, what's the point of this? Okay, great. I can take care of this now where I can't. Like, it's just so different. Yeah, we forget it's just like a text, really. It's yeah. like just another form of text. I've told I've told actors, I'm like, guys, like, start emailing like you text. Like, just like yeah. less but better. Be bright, be brief, be gone. And like, if you ask me six mm. questions in an email, I'm going to snooze it for two weeks because I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. When did you get your first sense of, like, your first real experience of filmmaking? Like, was it before you moved to LA? Was it shortly after? Was it a long time after? I actually, in college, was introduced to a casting director named Chris Freihofer, who's based out of Oklahoma. So I would drive, I think my entire senior year, like once a month, I would drive from Springfield, Missouri, which is very Southern Missouri, right by the Ozarks. I would drive from there all the way to Oklahoma, go into his office, audition for one or two things, and then drive home. So it was like, Five hours one way, five minute audition, five hours the way. And I just thought it was like, it made so much sense to me. And I like, I loved those days. I would print off, God, I'm sounding so old. I would print off my MapQuest directions (laughs) and they would live in a folder. And I kept in my glove box because I started going so often. And I had like my rituals, like I would bring snacks to keep me awake and I would make a Mm. playlist and I would have all these things. And it was like my going to audition rituals. And it was like my favorite day because I would typically be like skipping class, but I was an acting major. So I usually like the teachers were cool with it. And, or I would like write a paper about like what I did in the audition or something like that. And I would go and it was like, God, I looked forward to it so much. And they were just indie projects, most of them. And it's so funny now because sometimes I have to resurrect that energy because I'll get an audition and like very rarely now am I going across town which is maybe 45 minutes, yeah. right? And like sometime everyone's wanted to be a commercial audition. They'll be like, can you be in Ocean Park at 4 p.m.? And like, <laughs> I would rather die. Yeah, and it's like yeah. 10 times the yeah, amount of exposure yeah, yeah. than anything I went yeah. to in college. 
Um, but, <laughs> but it's so funny. So true though. Yeah. It's so real, but like, but it's just that, like, that was my favorite. And there was one, one of those projects was, um, called Quivira and it was a movie that I ended up booking. And so I got to take off like six weeks or four weeks or something. It felt like forever, but I was probably only like three or four weeks in college. And I got to pause all my classes and go film this movie in Nebraska. And it was about a couple who gets uh, lost on a road trip and they end up in this cabin and like to stay the night. But once they've stayed in that cabin, they can no longer leave. So every time they try to leave and get back to the road, they end up right back at the cabin. Um, and so they Whoa. like become, it's kind of, it's kind of Whoa. a great idea, right? Yeah, it's great. And, uh, there's, great you know, there's like too. a, it was really fun. There was like a trunk full of old clothes that were left in the cabin. And so like, we end up just like kind of almost turning back in time and becoming these like old, like characters. Like it, it's, it was, it was a trip. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but it was really interesting. Like, but they, but it put in like really fun stuff. Like there was a part where like my character gets her period and she's like in the middle of nowhere in a cottage and they like address it, which was really fun. Wow. Um, at the time that was like yeah, taboo was, in a sense, unless you're like was, Lars von Trier or something. Mm-hmm, this was like 2010. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, like the guy who played my boyfriend, like ends up like making me like pads out of like leftover oh, fabric. So like, it was, wow. I, I, this makes me want to go back and rewatch it. I'm sure my acting is horrific. That was so exciting to me because I got to stay there and it was super indie, right? Like I held mm-hmm. the boom pole sometimes. I, we had to rewrite the ending on set because they, there was like, somebody ended up not being available. There was only two of us in the movie, but they added a character and they had to take him out at one point. So it was like, we rewrote mm-hmm. like a weekend. <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, there was one point where I accidentally broke the tiny lamp we were using and we had to go like to <laughs> six stores to find a lamp that would match it for the scenes. We were all the crew, the cast, you know, I slept in the upstairs of a rented house we had. It was a trip. And yeah, I was really like, this is cool. And also I want to work on big sets so that like, there's always a bathroom here or that like, I'm not always cold or like jokes on me. You're always cold, but it was such a moment. So you book a movie, you're still in college, you're still in training. How is your approach to a role differed from that place to now? Like oh, what are the big sweet differences? Jesus. Yeah. I can literally, I was telling this. So I'm so glad you asked <laughs> that. Cause I was telling this to someone the other day and I was like, this is so embarrassing. I had no understanding of where character attributes came from other than creation. Because up until then I had done theater training. So to go to the nuance of film and television where it's very small and like very different, obviously I booked the role. So something must've gone right, but I didn't, my motivation behind the lines were the lines. Mm-hmm. I can tell you for a fact. I was like, I'm really good at this because I'm super off book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, and I remember there was one scene we were filming the cabin, and I was just like, when she gets nervous, she like rubs her arm. And I was like, that's <laughs> something. That's a thing that she does when she gets nervous. She rubs her arm, and it was like, Sammy, honey. Like there was no motivation. There was no like. What is fine? You want to do that? Cool. What is her backstory in your brain that makes that relevant for mm-hmm. this thing? Like, and what mm-hmm. does she actually want in this scene <laughs> that she's nervous for then? Like, dig into that instead yeah. of the stupid shit. 
now, listen, it's like an ongoing process. I have so much to learn and I am back to that place of beginner mindset where I'm just always looking for more, for what can I take away from this? What can I do with this? I've booked enough at this point that I trust myself, but not enough that I think I'm perfect. (laughs) And I also am really excited to find myself. I think I've kind of just figured out my essence Mm. and who I am and being able to confidently stand in that without trying to wash myself away and be a big blank canvas for every role has been quite the journey. And right now I'm working with a coach named Elisa Perry and she's fantastic. And I tend to get a little too analytical. Like I'll find a lot of stuff in a scene and I'll like break this character down and like all these ways. And she's like, Hey, what is really scaring her about this scene? I'm Mm. like, um, because she just wants to be loved. She's like, there you go. That's all you needed. (laughs) She's like, let's do it again like that. I'm like, Oh, right. And then finding the place that I fit in in that, right? Like finding like what my character of that looks like, not trying to be what I think this could be, which gets easier in terms of knowing yourself, but also harder because I know casting directors now and I know the tones of these shows and I know I can guess what the person is going to look like on set. And sometimes that serves me and sometimes it doesn't because it blocks me from being creative with what I could potentially do with it instead of thinking I know exactly what they're going to do with this. I really love that. Yeah. You got to be open. And I love the beginner's mindset. You know, it's funny, like your coach, I love that she said that because that's often how I'll be coached too. It's like, uh, hello, this this thing. But they can't. (laughs) counterbalance you if you haven't done the other work mm-hmm. so it's like it is a, a beautiful relationship in a sense like if you didn't show if you showed up and you're like yeah like you know as this you know you had to have done some work for them to be like okay what's missing <clears throat> the other piece the beginner's mindset i think that is the best way you can approach it and you're doing it you're back in it improv which i think some of the best training on earth for actors i mean filmmakers in general you got to know how to pivot on a dime like improv for me it's like talk about directability and short form improv which you're at groundlings so you'll be playing that i'm assuming mm-hmm. there used to be a game they do called new choice where you're oh acting my god a scene. we just played that played last it? week oh, we did yeah. it last week and That's i was direction. like i have never like my brain was like melting out of my eyeballs it was crazy <laughs> it's hard right the first yeah. time yeah because you're on stage especially newer improvisers Obviously, Sam's a professional, but improv is like a different beast, right? I'm yeah, not, it's a an, different I'm beast, not a professional right? improver. No, no, no. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and so like you're there and you're thinking, right? I remember being the first three years because I did improv nine years straight. The first three years, I was just in my head like funny scene, like you know, just all these. I was, it wasn't congruent yet. And mm-hmm. so when they go, new choice, you're like, I just barely have the one. <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging up by a thread. So that's one of the best games, though, for directability, if you really think about it, because they're asking you to pivot on a dime and mean it. And that's yeah. really hard. Yeah. And getting out of your own head, because like that is what, talk about how I said, like, I get very analytical. I want to plan and I want to know mm-hmm. exactly what this is going to look like. And I want to craft this perfect scene for whatever that means. And when you do something like that, they're like, next, 
Next, yeah. next, you can't plan at all, which is just such, it's been such a gift. Like you said, I'm back at Groundlings. I'm in basic, I'm in the 101, like low level class. And it's so nice because going back to something that I feel like I probably should know how to do this pretty well is like, it's so different post pandemic one. Mm. Cause I'm just so grateful to be in a room with actors. Like, mm. Oh, like let's like, let's be next to each other and like interact. It, it's so, Oh, it just like, every time I go, I'm like, this is great. And I also picked improv because I wanted to show up with not preconceived homework. And I know as I go yeah. up in the levels, like if, if, and when I do that, I will, there will be some homework involved, but like just showing up without having like scene ready sometimes is the mental refresh I need because I'm really good at homework, but I'm not so great at like, like follow your brain and your emotion in this and just like see where it takes you. Like that's to me, that's kind of the scary part, right? Yeah. There's so much we could talk about, but for time's sake, I'm going to keep it to uh, some of the current, like one broke actress, uh, the women are speaking. I, I know you have a ton of information on that on your platform, so I don't necessarily want to tread where you've been mm-hmm. <clears throat> just, you know, to keep the listeners fresh. Where do those businesses cross over in positive ways with your acting career? And where do they either get in your way as a perception? Like they're not really getting in your way, but maybe your ego mm-hmm. is like, uh, or they actually get in your way because they're taking time away from something. If that ever occurs. Right. Great question. And yes, to all of the above. Um, so the women are speaking is the handle, uh, on Instagram. The company is called fast forward and, fast forward. um, yeah. Um, it's very confusing. <laughs> the, the women it's all right. All speaking. the info will be below in our yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I, you know, fast forward. Okay. So I'll go first. So like one broke actress came first, like that was that was the first thing that happened. I needed a platform to put all of these plate things and ideas that I didn't know what to do with in my business. Once again, going back to the idea of if I say I'm confused and new, people are kinder to me than if I pretend like I know what the fuck is going on. And so I started to do that and it started as a blog, turned into a podcast, all that good stuff. And, you know, six, seven years later, it, it has a lot more traction than it did when just my mom was listening. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, that's kind of the thing about podcasting. You just have to keep doing it indefinitely if you want it to like really be build. And I, I love it. And I love the podcast space so much that, you know, it built a lot of community though. Social media was secondary always, but it's, it's become a big part of it too. And now I have my own community and like my Patreon. Um, that also is like, there's going to be fun updates to that soon. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited because some cool things coming down the pipe, but, um, that was, that became a huge time taker upper in COVID. It existed since I created it in 2016. The podcast came out in 2017, but COVID was the first place where I could kind of take up space because everyone wasn't booking. So it didn't matter that I wasn't booking. Mm. I wasn't so scared of sharing my opinions anymore. I was also just like, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. We're literally living in a pandemic. Like who cares what I put on the internet right now? If it's not the best advice about a self tape, I don't care. And that opened up a lot of doors for me. I get to talk to people all the time that, 
maybe I not have no right speaking to. I get to like, I, it's the reason that my reps knew who I was that I have mm. now. It's been a lot of gifts in that. And I love it. And it benefits. It's my favorite thing in the world. Because I was so involved in the podcast space, people started coming to me and asking me about podcasting. Hey, I want to start a podcast. Can you just like, can I buy you coffee? Or hey, I want to have some questions for you. And it became such a thing. I took a business class in COVID because I had the time. And the business class was like, what do people come to you for? That could be your business. And I was like, no, I'm not an audio engineer. I can't do a podcast business. That's not true. Podcasting doesn't need to be perfect audio. It needs to be quality content over a long period of time. And with my friend Ashley, who actually run the business class that I took, we created Fast Forward. Um, many moons later, after I worked for various different clients, she was like, just work for me. We'll get other own clients. We'll do this together. So we created the business together. One year in, we are starting to be successful. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's just, you know, the slow roll of it has actually been really great because in terms of my acting career, if this would have happened off the cuff, like the second we launched it, I could not have handled the amount of work that I'm doing right now. I could not have handled running One Broke Actress, running Fast Forward because Ashley's involved in an overarching sense, but it's really my, it's my thing. And it's the thing that I am spending the most time on. And between the two of them, I'm the engine that keeps them going, right? Like I'm the person who's coming up with the ideas. I'm the person yeah, who's I get that. the person. Yeah. And it's very, sometimes it affects my sleep at night because I feel like the only reason these companies are profitable is because I'm working so hard. So should I double down and like make more money and and that can take over a lot of my mental creativity space, which lends itself to my acting career. So this year, as One Broke Actress has risen, as Fast Forward has really come off the ground in the last couple of months, I decided I need to spend money to get myself out of the place where I'm the only decision maker here. Mm. So I just hired, we hired a project manager with Fast Forward who takes care of all of the day-to-day. She's awesome. She's also an actor. One broke actress. I have an assistant who's also an actor. And I'm slowly, like the community is going to have some updates soon, which will be a little bit less all on me. And I'm starting to realize if I want to make everything sustainable, I need to be doing less mm-hmm. because I don't show up as my best self for other people. Like I canceled something I had earlier today because I didn't get great sleep last night because I wanted to show up really well for the meeting I had before this and to talk to you. And I have to film an audition later. And I want to do like a couple of things, a hundred percent. And I'd rather do that than do 15 things at 20%. And that's the hard lesson I'm learning is that I can't do everything. There's a reason I'm not really on TikTok. There's a reason that like I don't post as much on social media because I'm really focusing on the podcast and the YouTube and my own businesses. And figuring that out is the kind of thing that's really going to make this all sustainable. But it's been a process. It was not easy. And there are days where I was like, should I just burn everything to the ground so I can just be an actor? But I no longer know anyone who's just an actor. I think everyone is some form of hyphenate. Um, yeah. I'm really excited because SAG is recognizing that now. I just signed my podcast up. So now I'm a SAG affiliated podcast. Congrats. So, thank you. So it's I get amazing. to pay into It's really cool. So I get to pay into my own health and pension. That Huge. is longevity, right? Like that is, that is business. That is taking care of yourself seriously. And 
the weight that that now carries carries into my acting career. So now I don't have to rely on every single booking to get health insurance. The places that I can go with the podcast can be more of what do I want to take this as? What do I want to do with this? It's opened a lot of doors. And I will tell you, my listening is better than it ever has been in my scenes. And my media training is at a 10. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Do you have a coach? Do you have like a, an advisor, a mentor, a coach in this? Nope. Wow. You're doing nope. it all on your own. Lone yeah. wolf in it is what we I call am. it. <laughs> I am. So Ashley, my business partner for Fast Forward, has always been like, she taught the business class I took and she's always someone who I'll go to and be like, what's the right price for this thing? Or what backend system mm. would you use for this? But the day-to-day is really just me. And it's scary. It's very scary because it's, you know, like you said, house of cards, like little breeze. I, I worry all the time. Like, what if this ends tomorrow? And then I'm like, Ugh. once again, exactly what I said in the beginning of this podcast. When I got to LA, I'm like, I'll figure it out. Yeah, Do you're a storyteller. <laughs> and that has to count, right? Like that has to. It does. That to me, it's, I started taking myself more seriously in that space when I was like, this counts as my art. That is yes. so cool, and it makes so much sense. I love that. What's your day-to-day? What's your six months? Like, I know you're talking about Patreon. I'm not going to spoil mm-hmm. that for you, but is that what you're – like, what are you focused on? What's in the mix? Great question. Wow, that's something I need to sit with for myself, I think. It's definitely, I made – so my word of the year this year, which I don't you always do this, but I was like, I need, like, a guiding force Because I'm getting to a place where I'm getting in this middle ground of, I could go this way, I could go that way, all could be successful. What do I want to do? My word of the year is blinders (laughs) because Mm. I need to stop looking at what other people are doing and or letting my thoughts about what they're going to think what I'm doing is doing affect me. Because if I'm looking at this podcast that has about the same downloads as me, but all of their episodes are like, very to the point. Sometimes I want to do an episode because like, I don't feel very good today. And here's how it feels. You know, if that is more me, my blinders are keeping me from being like, well, if they see me doing that, they're going to think I'm unprofessional and then people are going to stop listening. And then it's, it's just not how it is. So Mm -hmm. keeping those in place, I came up with like anchors. So my anchors for this year are obviously my acting career, which is staying in coaching and right now doing improv. And we'll see where that takes us from here just to stay creative, to stay active and meeting new people. Mm-hmm. My second anchor is keeping fast forward up and running with me not doing as much input. And that's really exciting to me, kind of how it's starting to work. My third is One Broke Actresses podcast. And my fourth is One Broke Actresses Patreon. So my community that covers like community, it covers the podcast that keeps me going. It covers my business. It covers my creativity, which could mean like going to see a movie or Mm -hmm. watching the last movie stars on HBO or whatever that is. And then above all, keeping that in mind while still being a present person in my life. The things I'm doing are working. So if I can just maintain all of them while enjoying the process, they will automatically up-level. And if I can stay present in all of that, I think my whole life will up-level. That's Mm. that's what I'm focusing on. I love that. You mentioned the word anchors, which I really Mm -hmm. love. Do you have personal anchors? Like beyond like fuck everything. What does Sam need? I have to move in some capacity. Mm. Right now I'm I'm training for something which is really fun. So like we're doing What are you training for? Or this it's called High Rocks. It's this athletic competition. 
it's not CrossFit and it's not running a race. It's like a middle ground. So you do, it's this set workout and they do it like all over the world in different places. We're doing it at the end of April and it's Caleb and I are being partners, which we've never done a competition together before, which is, will be super fun. But it's like you run a thousand meters and then you tag team like 30 pound sandbag lunches. And then you run a thousand meters and then you like tag team a hundred wall balls and run a thousand meters, tag team, like a thousand meter skier, run a thousand. It comes out to like 8,000 meters plus like all of these athletic things in between. And it's so fun. I just did a couple of half marathons and I was like, what else can I do? Cause I have to I, like have, it's fun to have a point to something yeah. I've been working yeah. on for like 15 years. So this has been really fun. So that's something, but moving every day, whether it's like right now I'm training, then I just like, I have a treadmill in the corner of my room and like, I can just put on my iPad, some show and just walk. Like if that's all I have time for to just like move my feet. Mm. That is like a non-negotiable in my day. If I don't, if I sit at this desk all day, I will lose my mind. I will yeah. lose my mind. <laughs> and I will not like pay attention when people talk to me. Mm. So that's one. I have to get outside at some point. Having three dogs in an apartment is a gift in a way because you have no choice but to get outside no matter what. It's, it's a non-negotiable. And lately, like sleep has been so up there and my sleep schedule is so grandmotherly. We get ready for bed around eight o'clock in bed by nine reading. Um, that is, that has been really nice. If I switch to doing more improv work, it might have shift because all of those shows are so late at night. They're so late. I was like, can a bitch get a matinee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously. Oh, like, like a Sunday at two would be really nice. The way I structure my days now is very different. Like I told you, I mentioned it earlier, but I space out my meetings and I try not to have more than three meetings in a day, whether they're Zoom, whether it's like meeting with my acting coach, whether it's filming an audition, working with my Patreon team. I try to only have three things a day. Some of them are like two or three hours and some of them are one, but if I can have space between all of them and there's only a few, I don't wake up in the morning dreading my day or I don't mm. wake up with like the, oh, I have to go from this to this, to this, to this. Mm. And that energy like sticks. It helps. It helps that I don't, I mean, listen, I don't have kids. I don't have, I make my, my jobs, my own hours. I make my own meetings. Like I make my own availability because I have everything in my power to change my schedule. Why would I make it anything that I didn't like? Like it's not worth an extra hundred dollars a month for me to like wake up every Tuesday and hate Tuesdays. Too many Tuesdays Mm -hmm. in life, you know? Yeah. So many Tuesdays. (laughs) (laughs) That's my memoir. So many Tuesdays. Tuesdays Tuesdays with Sean. Well, Sam, we're just hitting an hour and I'm going to end this like I always try to do, which is to give you a little love. I have so much respect for you and have so much love for you. And I'm so grateful you're in my life. You're always just so real, so kind. And I don't mean nice because nice is superficial. You're a kind person and honest and just open and free with Mm -hmm. your information, which you've gathered a lot of. I would say you've got to be tip of the spear because that's part of the reason I did this podcast is I didn't feel like there was a lot of people in our peer group being mm-hmm. honest and like, yo, this is what I'm going through. And you've been doing it for years. So I just want to say how much I appreciate you. And thank you again for your time today. You are so welcome. I'm going to give a little bit back to you because when you did my first podcast, 
There was a section where you and I were talking, and this was 2017. You said to me, I just don't see myself having a normal actor career ladder. I don't see myself going to an audition and booking it and that leading to the next thing. I feel like it's going to be so different than that. And I remember saying to you, like, really? I feel like mine's going to be so classic. Like, I feel like I'm going to book stuff and it's just going to grow. But that thought has sat with me. And I think about it often because I think about, one, you've really taken that to another level with all of the things you're doing, all of your own work you're making. It's just like, it's incredible. And I think you took it so seriously from that jump to where you are now. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so cool to watch and to see. Thank you. I mean, uh, my acting mentor told me this the other day when I was in the height of my depression. He was like, you're not late. The only way you can be late is if you're following someone else's path. Otherwise, your path is your path. Wow, I love that. 